0: I can always find great content from jesus smart whenever i dial in keep it up my friend keep it rolling hey there welcome friend to the podcast today i have a special prayer at the very end of this episode a quick prayer for you i'm guessing that there is something in your life right now that you need to walk on the water about this is the human condition it may be a challenge It could be a massive problem, a smaller problem. It could also be an opportunity or an open door, a potential open door before you that in a real sense, you need to walk on the water to access that opportunity, to exploit that opportunity and go through that door. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Get out of the boat. Water Walking Faith. This is episode 198. Welcome to the podcast today. Brian Del Turco here. You can see the show notes page, stream this episode, other links at jesusmartcom slash water walking. Would like to encourage you to go back one episode and listen to 197, how we can accelerate our commitment to our future self meaning the future self that Jesus has in mind for you, not being so preoccupied with the present and with the past. Another great episode you may want to check out is 195 with special guest Frank Viola. Leverage your trials to advance. Well, I'm excited about this topic today. Do you know that in Hebrews 6, the author under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit tells us that it's possible that we can be enlightened, we can taste of the heavenly gift, we can partake of the Holy Spirit, we can taste the good word of God, and listen to this, and the powers of the age which are to come. Now, when we read the Gospels, do we read it about what happened, or do we also read it as DNA, something that heaven wants to continue to happen, Let me ask it another way. Do we just read about Jesus, what he said and what he did in the gospels as just history or as a Bible lesson or a Bible story? Or do we read it as a model or a template for the potential of the Christ follower to realize uh, kingdom dynamics? Can we put it that way? I'm saying to you that Jesus' activity in the New Testament Gospels is meant to spark in us similar activity. Here's what I mean. He not only taught about the kingdom of God, he modeled it. And stunningly, Jesus said, we are to do the same things that he did even more. John 14 in verse 12, he says, whoever believes in me, will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. He would ascend to the Father. He would pour out the Holy Spirit. It would catalyze a new, shall we say, unfurling of a new dimension of the world of Jesus on the earth, the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God on the earth. Even during the Gospels, Jesus told his disciples to feed the crowd when they had nothing, and when they didn't do it, he did it, but he first gave them the offer to do it. Jesus chided and coached his disciples in the boat after he calmed the storm. He said, where's your faith? Calming the storm was not just a performance, something we read about to glorify God. It does glorify God. But he immediately turns it to their development as an apprentice of the kingdom. Jesus challenged his disciples when they could not free a boy from a severe case of demonization. What did he say? Quote, how long will I have to put up with you? Unquote. And I have to ask myself, does Jesus at times look at my Christ following, my my walking with him? And does he say how long? Do I have to wait for you to develop into the potential that I have before you? See what I mean? It's really a matter of being an apprentice of Jesus and developing in his nature. Now, in 2 Peter 1.4, I'm actually turning a page in an old school analog Bible. <laughs> 2 Peter 1.4, by these he has granted to us his precious And magnificent promises, listen to this, in order that by them, by what? By the promises, you might become partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So we partake of the nature of God. And this will unleash, of course, great transformation in our lives how could it not? And let's understand something very clearly. Let's understand that Christ's nature is not just His character, like joy, kindness, humility, you know, love, a servant's heart. Of course, it is that, and that is foundational. It is core. It is core transformation. But his nature also includes his activities and his works. We could also say that his growing nature in us unleashes the capacities of Jesus, the latent capacities of Jesus in us and through us. I just think it's very important to see being conformed to the nature of Jesus as character. Yes, that's core but also as capacities and works which glorify the Father, which serve as a witness to King Jesus, which call attention to his kingdom. And it says, hey, be on the alert because the fullness of his kingdom is on the horizon. You want to be ready. You want to be aligned with that kingdom now, Now, what does Peter, in the Gospels, when he walks on the water with Jesus, what is happening here? What is it telling us? I think one of the things that it's telling us is that Jesus is waiting for us to show initiative. You can read about this in Matthew 14, verses like 22 to 33. The disciples were in this boat. They were battered by the wind and the waves in the middle of the night, and then they saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter says something extraordinary. He says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, this must have excited the heart of Jesus, because at times he would see glimpses of kingdom possibilities beginning to surface in his disciples. And I think it did excite him. And the dream of the kingdom was taking root in his followers and it would only continue, you know, to develop and to expand. And this is so critical, the way that Peter framed this. And we just need to see the protocol. Lord, if it's you, give me a word. There's a real sense in which Peter would now walk on the word of Jesus And in that, he would walk on the water. And Jesus' response to Peter's initiative was, come. You see, a personal word from the Lord can come to us after we show initiative, faith initiative, and desire, and risk-taking. And I think we need to read the Bible, we need to read the written word of God until We hear the the present-to-the-moment living Word, the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Spirit speaking to us via the written Word, and that is what conceives faith. That is what excites faith. Faith. Romans 10 says that faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. It's interesting in the Greek language there the original language of the New Testament, that in this instance, the Greek word translated as word, hearing comes by hearing the word of God, is the Greek word rhema. It's not logos, it's rhema. Rhema means a spoken, vocalized, uttered word to you, and that's what incites and excites faith in us Okay, it creates faith even out of nothing. And so Jesus, or Peter was looking for that. Lord, if it's you, Jesus, this is about your identity. I see you. If it's you, give me a word and I'm getting out of this boat and I'm going to walk on the water towards you. Jesus liked that. He gave him the word and he said, come, maybe it's your chance to walk on water right now. This may challenge you. Anything Jesus did while on earth, we have the potential to do. I mean, I challenge you. Read the Gospels. Count how many times he turns around to his disciples and he's looking for them to do what he did. I challenge you. Look what he says to them. I realize this may challenge your theological belief system, possibly, that we're familiar with. But what is it about Jesus that's not challenging? What is it about Jesus that's not like scandalous in terms of the audaciousness of possibilities in his kingdom? It may offend you. But I think we have to take Jesus' words and modeling at face value and not talk ourselves out of the extraordinary. Can I just repeat that? Don't talk yourself out of the extraordinary. You see, when Jesus was on the earth in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, he lived and he ministered as a man fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. He was fully consecrated. He was fully yielded to the voice of the Spirit, to the leading of the Spirit. His heart was to, not, to only do things at the Father's initiative, to only say things at the Father's initiative. And he was fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I just think that, you know, Jesus invites us to leave our battered boat and come out on the water with him. It could be walking on that problem, walking on that challenge, or it could be accessing and exploiting an invitation that he's placed before us, adore some horizon. I knew of a youth pastor years ago who privately tried to do some water walking on one of the great lakes in the United States, okay? This guy was young. He was zealous. But when he got on the shore and he took his wallet out of his pocket and his keys, uh, he began to understand that he did not have water walking faith I don't believe that Jesus is asking us to presumptuously try to walk on a lake like this youth pastor, but it could be a storm of health and wellness issue. It could be some overwhelming challenge in business or finances. It could be some chronic struggle in relationships. Also, it could be a wild opportunity that's in front of you that's begging you to step out of the boat. When you go for that crazy opportunity and you begin to experience this miraculous potential in response to your initiative and your faith and the word of the Lord to you, it will feel like you're walking on water. Here's what Simon Weil said. If three steps are taken without any other motive than the desire to obey God, Those three steps are miraculous. Now listen to what he says. They are equally so whether they take place on dry land or on water. Isn't that good? Inaction is the greatest risk of all. Some people define risk as, quote, the likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, unquote. The likelihood of an irreversible negative outcome, some see risk as that. But with Jesus on the water, that's really not true for us as Christ followers, as believers. Yes, Peter did look to the wind, right? Fear gripped him, took his eyes off of Christ. He began to sink, but Jesus took hold of him and said, you of little faith, why did you doubt So here's how we may want to redefine risk. The greatest risk may be staying in your boat or the boat. And there's more people in the boat than will step over the side of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus. And it very well may be a gift of heaven Where you get a divine disappointment in your boat riding, a divine disillusionment, even a depression that motivates you. Sometimes with adults, adult learning readiness is defined as pain. Now you're ready to learn. Now you're ready to take that step. Now you're ready to try something new. So we may need to redefine risk. The greatest risk may be It probably is staying in the boat. And my friend, is there anything worse than being in a boat with a bunch of disgruntled, depressed, disillusioned Christ followers? (laughs) Is there? I don't know. I don't know. Consider this. Peter showed initiative. Peter wanted to experience water-walking faith, right? He saw Jesus out there and the potential of Jesus met Peter at his point of belief and then at his point of action. And again, the question is Brian is Jesus asking me to show faith initiative in something? Consider this progress In anything happens because of experimentation. Don't be afraid to experiment. Faith will feel most likely as like risk. We have to step out of what we've known, i.e., the boat, and we have to walk with Jesus into the unknown. Can you imagine the disciples in the boat seeing Peter step out of the boat? What are you doing? A storm? And then seeing him walk on the water, just as Jesus walked on the water. Can you imagine them seeing that? Can you imagine Peter experiencing that? Walking toward Christ, doing something he's never done before. In a sense, it was like a willingness to risk, a willingness to experiment. He was a true kingdom entrepreneur. Comes from a French word which means to seize a risk, to seize an opportunity. So consider these things. Peter showed initiative and consider that progress happens because of experimentation. Consider this. Notice how Peter's faith was Christocentric, Christ centered. Real faith is Christ centered. It's really not your faith, it's the faith of Christ in you, and via you, and you're expressing it and harmonizing with it, and you're focused on Christ. Real faith is Christ-centered. It's Christ-focused. Notice what he said, Lord, if that's you. See, as long as Peter gave his attention to Jesus, he walked. So Peter's faith was Christocentric. Consider that. Consider this. Get a word from the Lord about your situation. Get what he's thinking about it and a word from the Lord about your situation. Peter said, command me to come to you on the water. This is so beautiful to me. Jesus, if it's you, it starts with the person of Christ, the ability of Christ, the power of Christ, and then give me a word. Command me to come to you on the water and Jesus gave it. So, are we desperate enough for Jesus to say something about our situation? Will we receive what he says? And will we walk on that? You're blessed because now you're expressing water-walking faith. So, consider that. Get a word from the Lord about your context, your scenario, your situation consider this was peter walking on the water or was he walking on the person and word of christ he was walking on what christ said again romans 10 faith comes from hearing something that god says to us in the now moment can i challenge you to meditate on romans 10:17 faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word the rhema, the spoken word of Christ, any word God says to you has the power inherent in it for it to be realized. Do you know in Luke, the gospel of Luke, when the angel tells Mary, all things are possible with God concerning the conception of Christ in the virgin? It literally says in the original language there, there is not one word of God that is impossible to be fulfilled. The promise, the word itself has the DNA and the uh, potential realization, a manifestation of that word in the word itself. So when you get a word from the Lord, you can walk on that word and you can walk on the water. So consider that. Was Peter walking on the water or was he walking on a word and on the person of Christ himself. Do you feel like you have little or no faith? Do you feel that way? I just have no faith. I have zero faith. I have negative faith. My faith right now is a minus 10. Good. Congratulations, my friend. You are perfectly positioned because why? Faith comes. If you feel like you have zero faith, there's nothing lost about that. The key is hearing God say something to you and faith will come to you ex nihilo, like out of nothing. Well, it's coming from God. It's coming out of nothing in your life. Here's a dynamic spiritual exercise, okay? Read the inspired scriptures until you hear the living voice of the Lord speaking to you through the written word. We have to give quality time to the Word. And if you look around you, the reason you don't see much of what we're talking about here is because people are not giving the requisite attention to what it means to deeply follow Christ. And that includes time in the Word, humbly allowing the Word to be implanted in you, prayer, conversing with the Lord, allowing that seed to take root in you, holding it and growing it, 30, 60, and a hundred fold. And by the way, please don't look at my life and say, well, where's your water walking faith, Brian? Don't look in the mirror and say, well, I don't see any water walking faith in the mirror. Don't look around you. Well, you will see it some, and you will look in history and see it. But look, our experience has to rise to what Jesus said. We don't pull what Jesus said down to the average mean of what we see around us and our story so far in Christ. No, we must rise up to what he said. He said, greater things than these will you do because I go to the Father. I'm just going to have to take it at face value. I don't think he was talking magically. I don't think he was, you know, saying something that has no meaning to it or that it's, it's enigmatic. We don't know what he meant. It's abstract. No, I think he was literally saying what he said. Greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. Now, if we're not experiencing them in some way, it's incumbent upon us to rise up. And to be developed in the Lord. Jesus did say that when a, a an apprentice is fully trained, he will become like his master. He was talking about following him there. So when we're fully developed, fully trained, we become as the Lord in character and in capacities. Everything was extraordinary for Peter as long as what? as long as he kept his vision on Christ. He asked for and received a word from Christ and he began to walk on the water. But when Peter began to focus on the wind and the waves, he started going down. Of course, the Lord grabbed him in grace. But here's the key for us, Hebrews twelve two, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author or the originator, and perfecter of faith. He is the Alpha and the Omega of our faith. He is the originator, the generator of our faith, the author of faith, and the complete perfecter, developer, the coach of our faith, bringing it to Omega faith. You see, you may start out with Alpha faith, but we're on a continuum moving toward Omega faith. He's the originator and perfecter. He's the alpha and the omega. These are the first and last words in the Greek alphabet of our faith, Hebrews 12 two. explore it. And I got one more consideration for you here. Let's be honest. Most people, even most people who, quote, attend church will stay in the boat. Let's love and honor everyone in our life. But there will be times, there will be seasons, there will be horizons and opportunities. There will be steps that you're invited to take when we have to leave the boat and we don't break relationships with people, but in a sense, we have to leave the people in the boat so that we can experience what's not in the boat, what we really need, what we really want, what we're really called to. See that open door that horizon is not in the boat with you and others. The solution, the answer, the breakthrough to the problem and the challenge is not in the boat, it's out there in the deep with Jesus. And so honor and love everybody, but there will be times when you have to take that step. There may be times when people don't want you to take that step. Maybe it makes them feel insecure, maybe it, maybe they're overly concerned about your safety, maybe they're thinking you're making a mistake. What's it about? Is it about Jesus or about the boat people? It has to be about Jesus. I was reminded recently of a scripture in Galatians 1 where Paul says, look, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You got you to gotta make a decision about ultimately at the end of the day who you're going to please. So let's be honest about that. Most people, even good folk who attend church, will stay in the boat. Well, here's the concluding question. What do you want? An even better question is, what does heaven want to happen via you? So I believe that Jesus is looking for us, my friend, to, to, to ask for an invitation. If you just have a inclination and in faith, you better be looking at Jesus and just say, Lord, if this is you, tell me something about it an invitation to walk on the water with him. And what will this do? Well, this will give a great witness to the reality of a living Christ, a supreme Christ, a transcendent Christ, a Christ who is the master of molecules, changing water into wine, a Christ who, uh, transcends natural laws of, you know, like that involve boats, like water displacement and buoyancy, and he himself walks on the water and many other ways that Christ in the gospels modeled transcendence, supremacy, his lordship over situations, his leadership over situations, his authority. By the way, John one twelve says he came to his own. He came to his own domain, his own possessions when he came to the earth, when he came to the Jews, when he came to the human population on the earth. And it says that they did not receive him by and large. He was not received, but it says, comma, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right exousia in the Greek to be the children of God. And that word exousia is a word which means authority or a right, a regal right to rule as a son, as a daughter of God. If you receive Christ, if you accept him, if you're born again, that's the, the that's the continuum you're placed on. That's the learning curve as a pupil of Christ that you are now on. And you just have to stay on the curve and be intentional and develop on that curve with Christ. When a disciple is fully trained Jesus said, he will be like his master. So, you know, do I desire this dynamic in my faith journey? Well, I got to tell you, I do. Frankly, I got to be honest with you. (laughs) I have to have it. I must grow in water walking faith on various levels in my personal world. And, you know, as I do that, it better be about the story and the glory of God. That better be my motivation. It better be about a witness to the king who is coming. A transcendent, powerful king. Not a weak king. You know, not some emaciated, depressed shepherd or something. No, he's coming. He is now a transcendent king. And he will be revealed as that. And I have to live in the light of that. Now, I have to keep that at the front of my thinking. Here's what I got to keep at the front of my thinking. Jesus is the standard in everything. Okay? He's the gold standard. I have to keep that in the front of my thinking. Other people are not my standard. I, God forbid, am not my own standard in the natural. My history is not my standard. What the world tells me about what it means to follow Jesus is not my standard. What the world tells me about what it means to have a worldview, that's not my standard. My standard is a kingdom worldview. I'm questing to live in the worldview that will ultimately realize itself in the new heavens and the new earth, tasting the powers of the age which are to come. If I have to adjust my Theological system that I've been brought up in to harmonize with that, then I have to do that. Your theological system that you've been born again into may not be adequate, may not be totally sufficient for the whole course of your life and what Jesus is calling you to and to do. Well, I think I've slipped over from podcasting into preaching there maybe a, a bit. But our personal experience right now, you know, at at a given point in time, our personal experience and our development, that is not the standard. That's a snapshot in time. Unbelievers are not the standard. Even faithless Christ followers are not the standard. Jesus is the standard. Okay. Here's that short prayer I promised you. Heavenly Father, I want to walk with your Son on the waves. Help me to see storms and challenges, God, as opportunities and not some random crisis that's tormenting me. Holy Spirit, I invite you now to show me Jesus in new ways. Help me to fix my eyes on him constantly, steadfastly, and I renounce fear. I rise above situations. Lord, I want to live and move and have my being in you, in the buoyancy of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I walk by faith. Thank you for lifting me Thank you for inviting me into your world, into your dimension of things. I give you glory, Jesus. I give you praise. I give you thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Amen, Lord. So be it. So here's the CTA, the call to action. In what ways do you need to get out of that storm-tossed boat? If you have any thoughts or perspective or experiences you'd like to share Contact me. Reach out. I'm adjusting some email communicate communication pathways. Right now, you could do it at truenorthquest at gmail.com. So, the show notes for this page again, or for this episode, jesusmartcom slash waterwalking. This is episode 198, Jesus Smart the Podcast. Jesus is brilliant. He knows how everything works. He's going to develop a working knowledge in us, a working knowledge of his kingdom as a foretaste, as an advanced deposit of the fullness of his kingdom, which is on the horizon. We're, we're looking at that horizon. We're not looking at anything else. We're looking for the Lord. And right now we want to live in the light and potential of that, the power of that. All right, my friend, catch you next time.